podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So it's uh, all for play for still? I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Good evening, everybody, or good morning, everybody. Oh, I'm going to have to go live again. I just thought I was going to pre-record this one. Ah, well, since I'm here, I'm going to do it. Uh, welcome, everybody, for the Love of Pomegranate podcast. Um, professional hat back on again. Uh, <laughs> this is a, a cut-off, cut-and-a-hop again um, live stream where I am going to take a look through the a tactical analysis of the Everton game. So, as we know, Everton versus Aston Villa, Villa won 2-1 uh, yesterday in a game that has really, uh, I suppose, kind of... I'm not going to really say it's 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 100% sparked the optimism again, but it's uh, it's given us three points. We are... Um, you know we're we're in 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 a better spot than we were this time last week, and uh, I want to take a little look at some of the tactics that we employed um, throughout the course of the game, specifically with regards to our attack, attacking through the center. And uh, I'm going to probably do another little piece of Bubakar Kamara because he was just outstandingly good. And uh, the more I watch this back, I think he was outstandingly good. And um, as was McGinn. And uh, when we did the post match. Almost directly after the game, myself and Paddy bought a, bought a, uh, views on on players, and I suppose I said that I wasn't really critical of anybody in the in the team, but if I had to be critical of somebody, it would be John McGinn. And and we also said that when we watched the game back, we'd probably see an awful lot more positives. And boy, did I see a lot more positives than than I thought from that midfield trio of John McGinn, uh, Ramsey, and and specifically Bubakar Kamara. Even though I was high enough in those three uh, as it was, and John McGinn, I thought put in a, put in a really good shift. It? And it's it's funny, like when you've been watching the game and you're at the heightened emotion. I came away from that only remembering the dodgy passes, the two, and it was only like two or three. He had he had actually really good numbers throughout the course of the game. But it's mad when a mind plays tricks on you when you've only watched it once and you come away from it and you're going, oh, but those two or three passes, they didn't sit well with me at times in the game, maybe when, when we needed that pass to stick or whatever the case may be. But John McGinn had a really good game. Um, Jacob Ramsey, and I think that, that midfield three had a really good game uh, in its totality. Um, so we'll take a little look at that. Um, so t- let's take a little look here at... Um, I'm going to try and add these slides to the screen. I hope they're complete because, as I say, I didn't want to uh, to, to essentially go live. So there could be some some uh, typos in this or there could be some errors in it. But this is how we laid out the team. Went to a narrow diamond um, from what I could see here. And it was an interesting piece as well. I, I've seen it online as well. That, uh, that we did look to play with that more narrow diamond, which was to try and funnel Everton into the center or, or try to funnel our attacks into the center a small bit more. And if you guys can remember when we were speaking about Bournemouth, I said we had to get central. We had no one central. Danny Ings came out and he stood on. So Danny Ings came out and he stood on, on Coutinho's toes uh, on the left-hand wing and, and we couldn't get any purchase down the center of, of the field. And that meant that we had to go wide crossing and we were late going wide and we were getting in each other's way. And you guys might remember that I had all this, those passing maps and everything like that that didn't look good. I don't have any of those for you today. And the reason I don't is because we 
it, it, it's, it's go, it went way better to plan. We were able to attack through the center an awful lot more. And I'm going to show you some screenshots of that here now in a moment. Um, but this is how we set up Coutinho in behind Ings and Ings and, uh, and Watkins. Kamara at the base of the diamond. Although he was, for me, he did push up more towards the center, the, the, the um, center field marker. Uh, McGinn and Ramsey either side. And as we know, our back four was our back four. The welcome return of Tyrone Mings, who also had a really, really good game. Um, throughout the course of the 90 minutes, I thought. Uh, when we move on to the next slide, we're going to take a little look at uh, the average starting position. So as we can see here, uh, we're going left to right because we can see Martinez in the goals on the left-hand side here. This is our average starting position. And once again, there's a couple of things in this that we'll see are becoming hallmarks of the Steven Gerrard era. I'm not going to keep on saying that we need Dina to be Back that back uh, in his position a small bit more. He's just going to be that. That's where he is. He's just going to be that high up on the left hand side, and we're going to see it. Um, we can see here the Puba Carcamara is an awful lot further back towards the back three or the back two, should I say? At times, making it a back three. We can see how far back Coutinho plays. So Coutinho didn't really play uh, as high up that field, uh, high up the field, right behind the two strikers as you would have thought. He was back in and around the a, a traditional eight position there which is great to see. And we can see that we were a lot flatter in midfield. So essentially, we almost played a 3-5-2 uh, at times in the game. And look, this is, these are the average starting positions and they don't lie. What I love to see up here is I bitched, I moaned, I gave out, I criticised, I was probably as negative as I've been over the last 12 months about the way that we didn't attack through the centre and we got no one through the centre and we got no purchase through the centre and we, we got this, that and the other. And we all, both of our strikers started off in the centre and they split. They split wide. And that was brilliant because when Bundia came into the game, and you'll see it at times as well, Coutinho was very unfortunate at times. You know, there's a lot of times he was getting into the box. And um, if you watch it back again, um, I think he worked hard. He just couldn't get on the ball and he's... He, I'm not going to say he was a marked man because it was Tom Davies and uh, Iwobi that were back there for, for good portions of the game. But I think the way that we that our two strikers worked and, and moved those, the three centre-halves around was very, very clever uh, starting from that, that position of being central. Aston Villa need a central focus in this team because, as you've seen, and the Bournemouth game is the absolute template of what we don't want to be dragged into it's like you'll see fighters. There's some fighters. If you, if anyone here is a boxing aficionado, you'll see some fighters who want to drag other t other fighters into them to have a little slugfest in, on the inside. And there's other fighters who dance around the ring and stay away from that and jab and jab and jab and jab. And we're not really the type of fighter that can that can. Uh, we're not that the 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 type of a uh, fighter that can get involved in the slugfest. We need to be able to hit teams quick on the counter. We need to be able to hit them through the centre. We need to be able to move their centre-backs around the place. And if we can't move the centre-backs around the place because we're going wide too early or wide too late, as, as the case was in Bournemouth, in, the, um, in the Bournemouth game, well, then that isn't going to happen. And I think we did an awful lot better job of it against Everton, albeit Everton's two shielding midfielders. We're going to see, two, we're going to see better shielding midfielders than those over the course of, uh, of the day. Um, so uh, this is how we set up here. Uh, and that was our average uh, position of the starting team. It was actually in interesting when Badia came into the team, his average starting position didn't move. It wasn't that different to where, where we see Coutinho is here. But what the bigger part that I found with Buendia was, Buendia was linking the play from to left and right more. So he wasn't 
focusing just on one side of the field. Sometimes, like you see with Coutinho an awful lot, he does focus on that left hand side of the field. He favours it. Buendia was was moving. So not only were, were our two strikers moving moving uh, defenders around the place when Buendia comes came on, and albeit it was only for what. I can't remember how many minutes, I can't remember what minute he came on in the game at, but uh, when he did come on, he moved players, midfielders left and right, and he tried to get down those channels as well. And we'll see from his goal, his break, the way he broke at pace was absolutely fantastic. And guess where he broke through pace? Broke through at pace, right straight through the middle. And we'll take a look at that in a moment as well. Looking at a couple of statistical pieces here, these are just ripped straight from uh, FootMob. Um, and what we can see here is we had 58% of the possession to Everton's 42, which I think is good in the, from the point of view that um, that we want to be controlling possession. I've knocked so where the our stats are on the left hand side there, so our expected goals are up an awful lot based on last week. Last week was only 0.66 xg that we had. We finished at 2.31 xg, so we actually uh, had uh, an expected goals tally higher than what our actual expect our, our actual goals were, but only just marginally. So I wouldn't take too much of that into account. Twelve shots on target. Uh, three big chances, two big chances missed. Uh, 84% passing accuracy from 435 passes. 435 passes is quite the number of passes for an Aston Villa football team. That is something that I'm going to be keeping an eye on, that if we can keep those passing numbers high, we weren't doing anywhere near those in some games last season. There was games last season where we were only getting like 220, 230, 240 from memory, but like if we're if we can get into games if we can if we so when 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 people start talking about we don't take control of games like i saw a couple of comments in the immediate aftermath and i and i couldn't it's not that i want to disprove any of them but i wasn't confident enough to say was it just me thinking we 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 bossed the game or that we we control the game or or, or, or did I see it wrong? And now that I've watched it back a couple of times and the statistics bear it out, 435 passes means to me that even though it was like, and the fact that I said that we have a 58%, we, we, back, we, we bossed that game. We bossed the game. We had a shitty last 10 minutes and um, the, the team will definitely learn from that, but they needed it. Looking as well here, we can see the claret dots down here. Our shot map. Our shot map is what I want to see. Last week, all our shots were from outside the box. There were some right crazy ones. Diego Carlos had one from nearly 50 yards out. Just whoppers of shots. Like, But what we had here is we had some really good shots. And look at the concentration of our shots inside the box. So if we had 12 shots shots uh, total, we had 10 of them inside the box. That's what Aston Villa need. That's what Aston Villa have to have. And these goals, the two goals that we got were from passes into the box. And, and, and that's where we're at our best. Now, albeit... Both goals were counter-attacks. Aston Villa won't get counter-attacks. So I'm I'm pumping the brakes to say that we've fixed this through the middle issue that we have. I want to see us against the team that we need to break down. Can we still break the team down? Can we, can we get those cutbacks? The cutbacks are where Aston Villa excel. We did it last season, cutting it back towards the the penalty spot as opposed to floating across to the back post. We got a lot, a lot, a lot of joy. Leeds, we got a lot of joy against against uh, Southampton. We scored lots of goals. We scored a good share of goals, should I say, from those cutbacks as opposed to crossing aimlessly into the box. Now, cutbacks obviously are an awful lot easier when you are on the counter-attack or when you're, when you're making a counter-attack. 
So can we fashion those chances like like a Man City does? And I'm not putting us up there with Man City, but you know what I mean? Those chances whereby somebody makes a dart across the defender. Like the goal, I, I, I'll give it to you this way. The goal that Sadio Mane scored where he just ran, uh, um, ran across everybody and got his head to the ball or got his foot to the ball or something like that um, in front of Jonathan Kodja a couple of years ago for Aston Villa. Those types of, goal, those types of goals are goals Aston Villa are going to need to learn um to to learn to to score indeed for sure um so they're just some of the stats that we we have from the game these are more stats here i'm actually just going to leave these on the screen you guys can look at them and um, villa just boss the stats in every in in every department you know i'm not really going to too much into going to go too much into the stats um as i say the passing statistics were great with 40 percent accurate long balls we only went long we only went long with our passes 19 times so we we learned from the previous game that we needed to keep the ball on the um on the ground with a 29% accurate cross rate as well which was better than our 19% last week so i'm not going to i'm not going to go into too much into that but um another interesting one here is that we had almost as many passes in the opposition's half as everton had in the whole game we had 271 passes in the opposition's half everton had 291 passes in the whole game and that's interesting. That's called controlling the game. And that is a big statistic that if we are to control games, we need to be playing it in the in the the the, the opposing half. So when I start talking about counterattacks and stuff here, the, the second goal that we got for, for Buendia, that counterattack came when Kamara got in, won a ball. Buendia took the ball forward, gave it to Watkins. Watkins crossed the ball in and Buendia finished it at the back post. Nearly missed it. I never I never copped how how close he was to missing that 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 goal uh, as well, and if you guys get a chance to watch it back, you'll see it. Um, yeah, so some some good statistics there. I'm not gonna like we're not the, the finished article there either, but we're we were much better um, in, in open play there. Obviously, the set pieces and so on. And I'm not gonna. It would take me. It would take me about three hours really to kind of dissect all of the set pieces that we missed and stuff like that because uh, I want I would like to do something like that maybe when we're four or five games in to see if we're if we're kind of getting caught in similar positions so I'll, I'll put that on the maybe list and see what we can get uh, see if we can get something later on um, in a couple of weeks about that so looking here and I'm seeing a couple of questions there about Diego Carlos and stuff I, I'm gonna have a quick chat in him because tomorrow's podcast or tomorrow's live stream is going to very much be around who we potentially could be looking at. I think they're going to need to go back into the market again if they um, if he is out for the year. And uh, just based on people maybe we've been linked with before or people that I think would come in and would be maybe, I'm not going to say like for like because it's almost, I'm not, like, there's, there's never no such thing as a like for like player. Um, but I'll take a look at, at a couple of people who are out there, a couple of people who are being rumoured with moves. And um, also maybe looking back at somebody that I don't think got enough love from uh, at, at the start of the transfer window um, tomorrow in, in a podcast. So stay tuned for that. That'll be at half nine tomorrow. We will be coming to you with that one as well. Um, so looking at this as well. So I don't know how clearly you guys can see this. If somebody, if you were watching this on your phone, this mightn't be the easiest thing to see. Um, and I purposely haven't marked these here because uh, there's just so many people on the on the field. But what you should be able to garner from this is this is uh, where, where we're attacking through the middle. And what I wanted to show here is that in contrast to what we when we played against Bournemouth, we were not packing the middle of the field. And in the very top uh, screenshot that you can see here. 
you can see that we are we were packing the middle of the field there. This is where Kamara comes into his own. Um, I know you guys can't see my uh, my pointer, and um, I've been looking for some software whereby we can actually put something in there and maybe show a pointer, but I don't seem to have been able to find anything just yet. But if you're looking at this screen, you can see if we use the referee here as the point of, a point of reference, uh, the, the Everton player directly behind the referee, um, if you look at where the Aston Villa player is just above that, that's where Kamara is. Kamara is... is um, as, as, uh, um, is, is anchoring that midfield place. Matty Cash, obviously, down towards the bottom of your screen. This is a ball coming in here towards Ings, and Ings is running across the front of Connor Cody here. Yes, we've got it will be uh, trying to track back here, but Ings is, runs across the, the, the front of Connor Cody here and causes all sorts of consternation because we can see that down in the bottom corner, there's all this empty space down here. But the only way that Ings can do that and can get to that position to have an option, whether he runs directly at Cody or runs into space, is if he's through the middle. If he's any further over to the left like he was against Bournemouth, this is goosed straight away and it's a stupid attack and everybody's moaning. And what we probably end up here is trying a massive raking long crossfield ball to Matty Cash. He might control it and it might go out over the end line and everybody's up in arms about Aston Villa or crap. But what happens is here, we see we've got the middle. We've got people through the middle. We've got Coutinho running like an absolute lunatic alongside him. Um, and we've got people trying to get, get up with... Uh, Danny Ings here as well, as I say, Matty Cash down the bottom left hand left hand of the top uh, image that you can see there. In the image underneath here, this is how it ends up. So how it ends up after this is ball comes out to Matty Cash. Matty Cash tries to, to cross the ball. But what I want to draw your attention to is, yes, Everton did get back in this instance here. We can see that they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people actually in the box. But where are our two strikers? Our two, Ollie Watkins is in the center. And I not quite sure who, who the man is that's, that's just coming into screen there as well. But what I'm getting at here is that people are in the positions centrally and we weren't get, even getting centrally against Bournemouth. We were floating crosses to the back post, hoping people were there and we were coming to the front post and nobody was holding the centre ground in, in attack. And this is what I really want to see. And I was delighted to see it um, because, as I say, it opens up so many more options. It's difficult. It's bloody difficult to do. And only the best can do it. Like I said, Harry Kane's and those can do it. Um, can do it in their sleep. But we need to start seeing us at least try and do it. Specifically, if we have two strikers up top, one moves the defenders around, the other one then uh, needs to hold that middle ground because we it, it's it, it's just too easy for centre-halves. And remember as well, guys, this was against the back three. So it's it's interesting that we you, you need to have that kind of ingenuity against the back three as well. Um. So moving on here, this is the next uh, kind of... Uh, example should i say of people through the middle um and the first one here is we had gotten down the left hand side jacob ramsey takes this ball down the left hand side and he tries to cross it in and what i wanted to show here is we've got you can barely see him there this one evades coutinho coutinho could have got on the end of that this is a situation whereby our strikers were um weren't around that area and that probably should have been and Coutinho's job was to bust a lung to run from outside the box to try and get in there now it's his job to do it and he should have done it but just couldn't get there in time and the ball actually comes right across the the penalty area here and Matty Cash tries to cross the ball in from the other side but it had actually gone out of play I think um, just after this but what this shows here is that we were getting people into the center in this instance we didn't have enough people in there but this this 
this is a goal. This is a situation whereby I can guarantee you when Critchley and, and Gerard are looking back on this, they're going to say, these are the things. When we get opportunities like that, when Jacob Ramsey puts, puts across one of the best balls you'll see across the penalty area, we need people inside there to do it. And that's why he's paying two strikers to play up top. And neither of the two of them were in there. So this is these are things nit he's going to nitpick. We did have somebody in there. It could have very easily been a goal, but it's the it's the the numbers game. I think I suppose the more people you have inside there, and we saw for Ings' goal, we had actually three people inside the box when Ings it, almost on in the same 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 area when Ings took that shot and went into the back of the net uh, for that cutback. Second uh, image that you can see here is a long ball, and the reason I wanted to show this is because this long ball comes up. You have. Um, this is actually Buendia that's trying to win the ball in the air here, small and all as he is. But you've got Ings left of him. You've got Watkins right of him. And you notice how narrow they are. And they're occupying that center ground here um, because, it's it's as I say, it was just super important. When when Buendia came in there, he kind of split them a small bit more. But he also went left and right. And uh, this was a very good uh, instance to show because it's just a long, hopeful ball. And uh, we're occupying all the three center halves here. We can see that we're occupying them. We're occupying them well. Cody is trying to get get free to be that libero or whatever you want to call him back there, that sweeper. Bundy has pushed right up on him. And that's what we need. That's why it's so important to have somebody through the center. I couldn't care less if they're two foot high, if they're eight foot high. You need somebody in there to make a nuisance to themselves and to give player, give uh, teams something to think about. And that's why I wanted to show the second one, the bottom um, Im- image that you can see here. Um, so let's take a little look. Oh, yeah, this is the last one here for, for people through the middle. Um, once again, Jacob Ramsey. Oh, this actually ends up in Watkins getting the ball. I wish I could show videos. I wish I could show videos. YouTube. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This is commentary, right? Because if I was watching some, like, if I was watching somebody discussing about a film, they would be able to play that film, play parts of that film, be able to discuss it and say, oh, this is what happened here and do commentary on it. Essentially, I'm doing commentary on the game here, but apparently I would fall victim of uh, of YouTube's uh, copyright laws, which I think is a bit silly considering you only kind of really watch the game when it's live. And now we're what? We're well over 24 hours after the game is live. I don't know. I think it's silly. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. In this image that you can see here at the very top, Jacob Ramsey has the ball here and he slides. Uh, he he um, gets that ball in towards Ollie Watkins. Now, Watkins takes a shot and it's, it's deflected out for a corner. But watch what we have here. We've got a man at the edge of the area just underneath the For the Love of Paul McGrath sign, which I'm just going to remove here just in case it's causing issues for anybody. I'm just going to remove that there. So we see we've got Buendia right there in the D at the edge of the box. We've got Ings. Um, actually, we don't. I think Ings has gone off at this stage. We might have Bailey um, over there on the on the far right-hand side. And we've got Ali Watkins through the middle here. Ball gets slid in towards Ali Watkins. Ali Watkins, Watkins tries to take it down the side of, I think it might be Mason Holgate, kicks it off Holgate. And then he actually takes a shot and Holgate blocks it and it goes out for a corner. 
Um, but what but the options that we have here are fantastic. Probably the wrong ball from from Ramsey to try and get try and get it to Watkins here. If Watkins runs probably towards him and makes the dummy run, and Bundia kind of cuts in towards the penalty area, it would be a fantastic pass. Don't get me wrong. In hindsight, is twenty twenty vision. It's probably the right pass to give it to Bundia here because he is relatively speaking, he's in an acreage of land on his own, but that's a very difficult pass to tread the needle there. Um, but what I'm saying here is that, in theory, he has options. He could cross it into the back post, and Ings is at, or Bailey is actually in a pretty decent position at that back post there, um, although I wouldn't bet on him to score a header. You've got Watkins is, uh, is holding the centre ground there, and you've got the uh, the cutback option towards Buendia. We didn't have this against Bournemouth. We just didn't. This would have had what would have happened here is he would have held it up. Dinho would have been coming like a train. It would have gone back to Dinho. We would have crossed it. Or Dinho would have taken it, would have given it inside into Douglas Luiz, who was on at this type part of the game against Bournemouth. Douglas Luiz would have played a cross field raking pass towards Matty Cash trying to move people out of position and nobody moved. Whereas positions like this, Villa are an awful lot more favorable. And let's move on uh, towards the Ings goal here. We've got the, the uh, view from. Uh, what I'm going to call is the all 22 view here, the view of all, all the players, the outfield players that we can see here. Ings' goal, in a way, is very fortuitous for, for two reasons. Number one, he's given all the time in the world in the box. And number two, where is Ducouré here? Where is Abdoulaye Ducouré? He goes off injured not long after this, if I'm not mistaken, but he's nowhere to be seen. He's right up. On the attack, on the Everton attacking side of the centre circle, you can see him there, and he's actually going towards the man playing the ball. So you can't really see it here, but the ball is in the air, and Ollie Watkins is making that run uh, down to the bottom half of the screen here, and that ball does go to Ollie Watkins, and he ends up taking it into the box as we see in the second, um, in the second screenshot that we have here. But what we can see here is this: uh, Ings is right over the other side of the field, so when that ball goes wide to Ollie Watkins, it goes long to Ollie Watkins. Ings is once again running across the face of the defender, and he gets right across the face of the defender, and he gets to the position that he needs to get there on the edge of the, on the, right in the penalty spot, and things go his way. We actually had Ings, we had Coutinho, and we had Jacob Ramsey all in the same spot. So here at the bottom the bottom um, image here is where we can see where uh, Ollie Watkins is just about to square the ball here. Danny Ings is the only man in the penalty area at the moment. Coutinho comes in and then Jacob Ramsey actually joins out of nowhere. So Jacob Ramsey was coming like a train. And when Ings actually takes the shot, Ramsey is in a good position. If Ings actually just wanted to shift it off to him, Ramsey would have had a clear shot at goal as well. But Ings obviously backs himself and sticks it in the back of the net. But what the big thing here is, is in the second image, we have two players getting central, trying to get into that area for the cutback, as opposed to one going front post, one going back post, and us crossing the ball in this instance. So the cutbacks were very much the big thing that we needed to do. We did it. We did it brilliantly. And we got to, we got one goal out of it. Well, I suppose really you could say second goal was a low cross. But, you know, we, we, this is what we were looking to do against the back three for Everton. Um, so that's how the Ings goal came about. A lot of it really was, the, the big thing here was Ings, Ings run across the centre, across the face of the defender. Um, I just love it. I'm a sicker, I'm a sucker, should I say, for two things. Balls down the side of defenders. Uh, when you're trying to break down a, a a lower block or a mid block, playing balls down the side is specifically of a back three and having someone running across the defender at a diagonal to get onto that ball. Or in an instance like this, Harry Kane absolutely murdered us. Or sorry, not Harry Kane, Son murdered us last year when we played them. 
long balls up to Harry Kane. All Harry Kane had to do was occupy Akonza, um, who didn't have a very good game that day, tried to occupy him. Son profited. And what did Son do? Started in that position that Danny Ings is in the very top uh, of your screen there, and then just came across, ran across our defenders, and it really discombobulates the whole defence because nobody knows when does he move out of the zone, who's picking him up, are we going to run into each other, I can't tackle him, I can't tackle him. You know, all this stuff that starts to come into your mind when you have people running across your across your face as a centre half. Um, looking at the Buendia goal as well. So here at the very, very top, we'll see once again, this is Buendia running with the ball, running through the centre. I, I should have put in another screenshot here where we had Kamara. Kamara actually wins the ball back. Buendia over 10, 15 yards is lightning quick. It's funny, like, it's funny these things that when in, in the heat of the moment, like you, I know that Buendia is quick. But when you're watching him back and you're actually watching for certain instances, like he literally moves like Speedy Gonzalez in this shot here. So much so that I thought he was going to overrun the ball and get caught by one of the defenders that were inside there that were coming out to meet him. But he doesn't. And and what happens here is once again, Watkins runs across his field of vision, brings the defender with him. And Emi Buendia slides the ball into Watkins, continues on his run. And, and we can see here in the very top here, we've got Watkins ahead of Emi Buendia. He's there, I think it's Connor Cole. No, it's not. It's Mason Holgate, I think. I'm not sure if it's Cody or Holgate. Um, <coughs> but um, actually, let me just see that because that's that's interesting to see who who that is, if it is Holgate or Cody. And I've got a bigger image of it here. Um, it's Holgate. Um, it's Mason Holgate. So he runs across Mason Holgate, drags Mason Holgate across there towards where the other defender is at the top of the screen. Buendia continues his run. The man be, just behind things there, it gets into the position where it's sort of Buendia can't continue to run straight. Ings, or, or Watkins gets the ball, squares it here, as we can see in the second, second piece here. And what I wanted to show here is that Buendia just continues his run and Watkins squares that ball. But look at all the players he's pulled over to that side. Look at all the players, and 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 because he's moved them over there, they've had to arc their runs, and they're coming. They're they're, they're chasing nobody. They're chasing nobody. They, there's no way they could ever get the Watkins there because of the angle of his run. Fantastic run, fantastic run, fantastic run, and absolutely what he is brilliant at, and what we need to get him doing more. We don't need to get need to get him running straight at 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 center halves. We don't need to get him running straight at goalkeepers. We can, if he can, like his finishing is, has been an issue and, and, and we're not going to sit, sit here and, and sugarcoat it, but running across defenders, dragging people left, right and centre. If we're going to play two people up top and one person behind them, there, it, it's vital that, uh, the, that Watkins does that and is the man, call it what you want, the sacrificial lamb that just moves those defenders around like chess pieces if he can. As I say here, Buendia continues his run, Watkins slides it across the six-yard box and I'm convinced that that comes off at Buendia's heel or something like that because it just about goes in past the balls uh, from from recollection. But they all count. They all count for sure. So that's really kind of all I have and the and the, the tactical analysis for for tonight. And uh, because I wanted to focus on the actual attacking intent that we had, where we attacked from, show examples of it, why I think it was much more different than Bournemouth, and uh, why I think that. Uh, the, the the playing the two strikers up front. I, I think Stephen Jared needs to settle on it and it's like one of them needs to become 
his preferred formation, I think, uh, so so that we can see if it reaps the benefits of it. Um, and and specifically, I suppose, I know against a poor Everton team who look like they're going to sell Anthony Gordon to Chelsea, as the transfer market is mental at the moment. There's like there's literally nobody who's off limits to be sold or to be bought. It's it's madness. The only person that can't be sold or bought seems to be Cristiano Ronaldo at the moment, and who would have thought that? Um, but <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's a crazy transfer market, and 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 I think we'll probably get involved in it ourselves. Um, I'm gonna come to you. Uh, I'm gonna come to you with um, co- going to come to some of your comments there in a moment. So uh, let me just remove this from the screen. But what I want to do first is. I want to have a quick chat about Diego Carlos. Some of you guys mentioned it, uh, it was mentioned it there in the comments, and I'm going to bring up a couple of those there. Uh, yeah, AVFC, ooh, massive thunder outside. AVFC agent Jared says, Ackley's rupture for Diego Carlos, typically nine, six to nine months minimum in relief football and even longer to return to pre-injury levels. Yeah, it's it's not exactly the injury you want for a centre half. Um, it was very innocuous. It kind of came out of nothing. Um, I think he just I think he jumped and he just landed. So that's not good uh, for Diego Carlos. Um, it's the the Achilles tendon is. I, I always I always kind of revert to American footballers who get injuries, and the reason being is because number one, it's a much heavier contact sport, and the athleticism needed for it is quite high. Um, so I always go back to that and. You know, Achilles tendon ruptures for those guys. Like, there's no, there's going to be no Ezri Kanza story from this, where he comes back in three months and and everything is hunky dory. If you if you need if you need surgery on your Achilles tendon, like it's 2023, late 2023 when he's back. So we we and I think we wouldn't we wouldn't be able to ride it out for six seven weeks or whatever. You know, we wouldn't be able to ride it out at that stage. I think the club need to dip into the market again. For centre half, um, who they go for, I don't know. Um, I, as I say, I will look at some uh, some of the players uh, who I think that maybe on the shopping list, if Aston Villa do dip into the market again, which is a p- bit of a pain in the hole because I would have expected them to strengthen the the number eight position. But this is this may become a need of our kind of situation and needs most with a centre half here, and uh, just goes to show that you know one one week ago. People were talking about Tyrone Mings being, not us as Villa fans, but the media were talking about Tyrone Mings being gone. And one week on, Tyrone Mings, Tyrone Mings has had a great game and he's our best defender again. Because Diego Carlos has gone the best left-sided defender anyway. Okay, I'm, I'm not here for everybody saying he's not better than Chambers or Kanza. I think he is. You guys could think different. That's fine. Uh, it's not about who's winning or who's losing. And it, it's not even an argument. Like, not having to argue with anyone about that. If you think that they're great, fine, that's that's grand. But for me, I think Mings is now our best defender, and we're going to need to have somebody come in there uh, as back, whether it's backup, whether we pull off another kind of a Callum Chambers signing. Who, let's be fair, nobody thought he was going to have as big an impact in the team as he did, and I'm delighted we have him. But if we can pull off something else like that, that's great. That maybe gives us the extra far apart to maybe look at that number eight that maybe we were looking at, whether we were or whether we weren't. I don't know. I have no inside information. But I think a centre half is definitely going to going to need to be brought in, whether they're at low level money monetary wise, or whether they go and they pump they pump something in, uh, some money in there for somebody maybe that they were looking at previously. And um, so we'll take a look at some of the names that they've looked at previously, uh, at, which are, to be honest with you, at the upper level, and we'll. Uh, then I have one or two guys that are um, 
we'll plug a gap, I suppose, for the rest of the year. Because I think Courtney House is more or less, I think it's more or less agreed that he's going to Watford. And if I'm not mistaken, he was supposed to go to Watford in January as well. And there was, I think you guys might have seen a flash of lightning there behind me. Apologies. Um, but... Uh, yeah, there's thunder as well. That was a real loud clap of thunder. Um but I think that there will definitely be a, a centre half that will come in. As I say, Ali, Ali, our Courtney House was supposed to go out in January to Watford. We pulled the plug on that, and because of injury, and uh, I think he's supposed to go out to Watford now again. And I'm not even sure if we'll be able to pull the plug on it once more. Whether he even wants to pull the plug on it or what the situation is. So um, uh, that's all up in the air at the moment. Uh, some of your other comments here. Where are we? Um, Captain K says. Ali can't finish, uh, but if he assists things twice a game, we can't complain. I, I think that's unfair. I think Ali Watkins can't finish as well as we would like him to finish. Can't finish one-on-ones. I will agree with you on that one. Our side has been shown, shown to be poor to finish one-on-ones. But Ali Watkins has also scored the most goals in our team. He's our top goal scorer within our team over the last two years. So um, he's still quite pivotal. You know, We can't throw the baby out with bat water. But I know where you're coming from, and I'm not criticizing you for your comment uh, for sure. Uh, so he says that Kamara uh, is a monster. He literally glides around. Head and tails, our best player Saturday. Loving Ming's performance, shutting all those mouths up. I agree with you as well. Kamara was absolutely fantastic. And Captain K agrees with that, King Kamara. Uh, Captain K also says Buendia was inventive, industrious, and tenacious. Everything we need from a number eight. Everything we need from Buendia, whether it's a number eight or a number 10, uh, I think so. I, I just think that our midfield is lightweight enough as it is um, without introducing... Like, if we were to take out, let's say, a Jacob Ramsey, who I think would probably be the person he would have to come in for uh, because it's probably... The, his ball-carrying ability would be uh, more similar to that. And Jacob Ramsey is touching six foot, and I think we need that kind of heft that Ramsey brings in midfield. So it's a quandary. It's a quandary that, that while he is tenacious and he gets around the place as well, we get bullied in midfield as it is, and I'm not sure introducing somebody who's smaller and lighter of frame um, would uh, would would make us any any stouter in midfield, if that makes sense. Good and all as Kamara is, I don't think he'd be able to pick up the extra slack for that for sure. Um, where are we here? Um, oh, I don't know if you guys can hear the thunder outside my window, but it's absolutely biblical. Here, so I do apologize. Um, wait a minute, what am I apologizing for? Is that like I can control the thunder, or maybe I can? Who knows? Maybe, maybe I can. Um, all right, guys, I think actually because my lights are beginning to flicker here, I think I'm going to leave it at that. Thanks so much to everybody for joining me on another uh accidental podcast once more. If you could give us a thumbs up, I'd really, really appreciate it. I'm going to come back tomorrow. I, I have a pretty free day tomorrow, um, and I'm going to do a lot of um. I'm going to do a lot of, uh, yeah, it's lashing rain now. If anybody's not listening or not watching this on YouTube and listening to it in the podcast, it's pouring rain in my window at the moment, so I had to close it there. But I'm going to do a bit of uh, a bit of snooping around there to see what centre halves I think would be of good value. And look, it may come, it may come to nothing, but I do think we're going to need to replace Diego Carlos. And look, who doesn't like a good scouting video anyway? So uh, we'll be back tomorrow with at least one of those. And thanks so much, everybody, for joining me this evening. So stay safe, stay happy, stay healthy. And all that's left to say is up the villa.
Sports Social Podcast Network.